was in a cold area, and so-and-so loved so-and-so. And uh, it didn't work out, and I cried. My mother said, anyway, you know, life's bigger than this. And she gave me a little philosophy, bigger picture. So it works. But Uddhava said, this doesn't work, because what are you going to tell them? What's the bigger picture? They're crying for Krishna. I tell them, don't cry for Krishna, because, because what? <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> You're supposed to be attached to Krishna. They're so attached to Krishna, that in his absence, they're just crying and crying. How, how can I stop them from crying? What kind of philosophy can I give them? Uddhava was a big philosopher. That's the point. He went there to give a philosophical message to the gopis, to tell them, don't cry, Krishna is everywhere. Why should you cry? There's no need for separation. God is everywhere. How do you, do you think that sounded to the gopis? <laughs> they said, what do you know about anything? Get out of here! You're supposed to be a learned person in scripture. Anyway, who cares for this scripture? What it, and Buddha realized these people, they are beyond the scripture. Suti bir He said, oh, oh, I, I can't understand what is Vrindavan. What is the devotion? He realized, Krishna sent me here to learn something. And I thought I was learning a big top of it. And here I, when I see this, I realize I know nothing. What is love of God? Oh my God. He said, I wandered around for a couple of months in Vrindavan singing different songs, wishing I could take birth as a blade of grass here just to be inspired by this kind of devotion. Now, if I go back there now, they're not going to listen to me. They, I was unsuccessful. So then I said, all right, yeah, what to do? So Balaram was just, you go, Balaram. You're one of them. Hmm? You go there, son of Rohini. Balaram said, well, that's a good idea, but I also went there, you may know. I also went there. It's mentioned in Bhagavatam. I brought a message. I talked to Nanda Maharaj. I talked to the gopis and so forth. And when it was all said and done, they were living on my promise that, I, that Krishna would come back. And this Krishna, I mean, he's my younger brother. He always does whatever I tell him, as a younger brother should from the older brother. And good advice. But... For some reason, whenever I tell him to go back to the bridge, he says, yeah, I'll go, I'll go. I'm going. But he never goes. In this way, that's the one thing I can't stand about my brother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't stand it. I, I tell him the condition of the people. He says he'll go. He doesn't go. And, and he puts me in this position. If I go back and I tell him, Krishna's coming, they say, yeah, you told us that years ago. He didn't come. We're dying, okay? <laughs> we can't take it anymore. So, okay then. Subhadra came. Subhadra volunteered. I will go. I'm a lady. I can talk to Mother Jashoda. I know the hearts of ladies. I can talk to the gopis. I can go ahead. I can tell them, hold off. Krishna's coming. So, get me a chariot. And Balaram said, well, I'm coming too. You go ahead and let them know. And tell them, you know, we're on the way. Maybe we got distracted by big armies and, you know, people paying obeisances and darshans, but tell them Krishna is definitely coming. And she said, I'll go, but I can't lead the way. So Balaam said, okay, I'll lead the way. Then you come, and then Krishna will come behind. This is traditionally how the Ratha Yatra proceeds in Puri. Balaram is first, then Subhadra, then Jagannath.
So they went. And then Krishna was, his chariot was brought. He had come to awaken by Narada's chanting. And he was showing his threefold bending form. He doesn't show that in Dwarka. He was his dancing pose and looking for his flute. Where's my flute? He said. And he couldn't find it. What's with this crown? Where's my peacock feather? They said, no, 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 you're not into Vrindavan, but we're taking you there right now. You're taking me there now. I'm not there. Oh, I've got to go. So they took him. And they had to hold him up, try to carry him, because he was drunk with Radhabhav, tipping and turning and falling, and just like when Jagannath comes out of the temple. And they had big silken ropes tied to him and so many... So many people carrying him and lifting him on one side, he's tipping, lands on a cotton pillow, and boom, the pillow pops and so many feathers go in the air and then move him to the next one and the next one. And he's moving like this. And we're looking and seeing some wooden uh, deity and that's, he's heavy and these people are trying to carry him. And No, that's not what's happening. He's drunk, drunk with love for Radha. This was in Jagannath's heart. This is the heart of Krishna. The heart of Krishna is he in love with Radha. In separation from her, he's just drunken. And the thought that he's going, going back to her, he's totally intoxicated. They're trying to get him up there to drive the chariot, to ride on the chariot. How would we know this without Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? You can know the heart of Jagannath. One of my godbrothers once, who was a close friend of mine, lived in the New Dwarka, and I was there too, young boys there. And during the Ratha Yatra, he said to me once, you know something, this is the one day of the year we know exactly what's on the deity's mind. I thought, well, it's very astute of you to make that comment. How nice. You don't know, what, you're serving the deity, you don't know what he's thinking, what he wants. Right? So many days go by. But in Rathiyatra, this is such a special day. Because of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we know exactly what's on his mind. We know how to tender to him and how to draw remuneration, get his attention. What's on his mind is Radha, the Vrindavan Bhakti, her separation from him, his separation from her. Jagannath is Krishna in separation from Radha. And see how he's out of, bent out of shape, as I say. So, Subhadra, Balaram, they went ahead. They arrived in Vrindavan. And they saw the condition of the Brajbasis. And then the news was, Rod is dying. She cannot take it anymore. Of course, she should know. Secret. She will never die. Why she won't die? She'll come to the point of dying. And even Krishna will think he's, she's dying and going to die and do something about it. But she won't die. Why won't she die? Because she knows, if I die, Krishna will die from separation. I could never do that. She's a servant of Krishna. Anyway, when they saw Radha's condition of ecstasy, the last symptom of ecstasy in Viraha, separation, then Subhadra went into a trance herself. And she was about to speak, and she couldn't speak. She became speechless, and her hands went in like this. She became transformed in bhava. Asta Satvikubhikaru Jvalita, very Ujvalita. 
the highest stages of the, the, the inflamed ecstasy. This is again Dwarka meeting Vrindavan, and she got bent out of shape, and Balaramsa got bent out of shape. Just like the deity of Subhadra Jagannath Puri, the deity of Balaram. This is what they are about. So they couldn't do anything. Krishna arrived on the chariot. Radha's dying. He found his way there and passed out. Saw her and passed out himself. Then the, the breeze came and the fragrance of Krishna came to Radha and brought her back to life. At the door of death, brought her back to life. Now the problem is Krishna's passing out. Krishna's dying. So she said, Subal, come. Do something. Subal came and spoke in his ear. Radhe, 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 Radhe. He's quite accustomed to this. Hmm? This is his service. Krishna will go into separation from Radha. He's always feeling love for Radha. And then sometimes in the Leela there's some separation and then he will reach a high point. And he, this way Subal will help him. Radhe, Radhe. These kind of friends. So Krishna came awake. And he had union with Radha. And all, all Vrindavan was saved. Everyone in Vrindavan actually has love for Radha. Even the, the opposing elements, like Kutila, Abhimanyu, so-called husband of Radha, Chandavali, they all love Radha. All of their opposition is all, all orchestrated by Yoga Maya. Sometimes it's said that before Radha came awake and before Krishna arrived, they all came forward, expressed their love for her and spoke the tattva. Abhimanyu said, I'm not really your husband. I've never touched you. I only married a shadow of you. Actually, you, Radha, are the goddess of Mayishtadevata. I worship you. Don't die, please. Kutila, the uh, sister-in-law of Radha, came. Oh, please, Radhe, don't die. I've created so much disturbance for you. Of course, that is Yogamaya's arrangement, but uh, uh, so much disturbance. I've always made it uh, your chastity an issue of uh, question here in the village and put myself self forward as the most chaste lady. But actually, you're, you're the only chaste lady you know, in all of Vrindavan. Your love is so exclusive for Krishna. You know the story of how... Krishna got a fever. He was dying of a fever one day. And so it was said, oh, he, he said, oh, the only way I could be saved from this fever, I, I don't know. Then Krishna himself appeared in another form as a, as a doctor, Ayurvedic doctor. He said, oh, I heard there's a boy here with a fever. Let me feel his forehead. Oh, yes, take his pulse. Uh -huh. What he needs is water. He needs water from the Juna. It has to be brought in a pot, a porous pot. A pot with holes in it. Holes through the bottom, like a strainer. strainer. Bring, bring, uh, bring water from the Jamuna in a, what's it called? Colander? Yeah, in a colander. <laughs> then he, he, we'll give him that water and he'll come back. Fever will go down. So, this is Vrindavan. They told Mother Yashoda said, that doesn't make any sense, but Mother Yashoda just said, get it, get it! <laughs> Somehow, then, uh, he, then, she, then someone said, well, how can we bring water in a porous pot? <laughs> and the doctor said, oh, that's, oh yes, uh, it has to be brought by a chaste lady. A chaste lady can do that. <laughs> chaste lady will have power, actually. There's power in that. 
They say if a lady in Kali Yuga is just uh, truthful and chaste, she can get all powers. So, then that made sense, right? Find a chaste lady <laughs> and bring in uh, water in a porous pot. <laughs> and so Mother Yasoda said, well, come on, where's a chaste lady? It's uh, Kutila had always been advertising herself as being very chaste and bringing and questioning her sister-in-law's chastity, making it a public, you know, issue. So everybody said, well, Kutila, you know, she's chaste, and she makes that clear, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> this is Krishna arranging this. So then she had to go to the Jumuna with the porous pot, and of course she brought it back, and it was empty, and everybody went, hmm, what's going on here? Hmm. And then the doctor said, what about that girl over there? I think she can do it. He picked out Radha. Gave her the pot, she went... She picked the water from the Jamuna, and Krishna appeared in another form, holding the water in. Only Radha could see him. Then Krishna drank the water, and his fever subsided. She said, Do you remember that, Radha? You're actually the chaste lady of Vrindavan, not me. Please don't die. Chandravali came and said, Oh, people question you. They say, they, Everybody goes to the Jamuna and fetches water. Everybody goes to the Jamuna and takes bath. And when you go, they go, why is she going to the Jamuna? What's going on? And everybody does that. So, but when you go, they question. And I take some, some, some pleasure in that, but actually, you're the purest. Don't die. They all love her. So at any rate, at this occasion, then when Krishna came and, and she came back to life and, and, and they had union. And this union then, with that, they go to Goloka. In Goloka, no separation. There is union. So the Lila ending in, ended in this way, the Prakat Lila. Different times, I say, it made different nuances. But in union, sitting together on a nice singhasana, suddenly Krishna says, Oh, Radha, where is that Biraha? What has happened to Biraha? Separation. What will we do without that? If it weren't for separation... We wouldn't have this. What is the value in that separation? So great. It's like death. But what life it gives birth to. So he said, we have, we have to do this again. And he said, you know, I want to make it establish a deity of myself in the world. I was always in separation. We call him Jagannath. I wanted to stay, stay like that. Like that, that condition I was in. And Subhadra fell into that. And, and Balaram. We should have a deity like this in the world. It should be established somewhere and worshipped perpetually that people might know something about the value of this love and separation. In fact, let there be a place like this and we'll establish such a deity and I'll go there myself and teach the glories of separation. What is the value of separation? How it begets union? And Radha said, well, you can do that, but you can teach about your separation. But you can't teach about mine. What is the what is the extent of Radha's separation and ecstasy of love of God? It exceeds Krishna's. He cannot taste all every uh, all the the Mahabhav that Radha tastes. Only up to a certain limit. It's a problem for him. He's the king of love, but he doesn't have access to the full experience of love. So she said, "What can be done? Well, so what can you teach? Something, but not everything." So don't worry about it. 
So Krishna thought, oh, just see, well, what to do? She won't give me that. I could ask for it. I said, yeah, well, why don't you give me that and I'll, then I'll, I will go in a form that I'm tasting that. She said, you are the Vishai on the Ashrai. You're the object of love on the shelter of love. Unless you take the position of the shelter of love, how can you experience what the shelter of love experiences? You're the object of love. This is a, a theological impossibility. You know better than that. Anyway, she said, if I gave you my love, my bhava, my brain, that'll be bad for you. And now so many devotees worship you as the supreme Brahman. And if I give you my love, you fall over and roll on the ground and you'll be mad and totally intoxicated constantly. And people have doubts about you. You were the Supreme Brahman. What, what's, he's got, a, he's got a, this big problem and he's crying and falling all over the place all the time, constantly. Maybe now and then if he gets a little tipsy, that's one thing, you know, thinks about Vrindavan, but constantly falling everywhere and contortions. And This is what he will do to you. You cannot, you cannot take it. And besides that, she said, if I give you my brain, a byproduct of that is that I will be, my glories will be heralded throughout the world. I can't tolerate that. You are the Supreme God. All worship should be given to you. My mood is to serve you. A good philosophy she, Krishna is getting from her. Still, he thinks, this should be made known. Who is Radha? Even if I have to steal her bhava, I'll take it somehow or other. Bring it to the world and let people know what is her position? She won't push herself forward, but I will push her forward. So he's, a, you know, well known for being a good thief, Krishna. So he made plans to steal Radha's Baba and appear as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and to go to Puri and teach what is love and separation, what is the value of that, and how through separation, pursuing this kind of worship, one can enter into the spiritual world and know what is union. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came. Krishna came as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He stole the bhava of Radha, but it gave him a hard time. It gave him so much difficulty. Only when he finally came to Puri and at the end of his leela confessed his, his thievery to Radha's intimate associates, Vishaka and Lalita, appearing as Ramananda Roy and Surup Damodar, he said, Sunayitam Jagat Sarvam Govindaviraheiname. I'm feeling such separation. He said, What is the beginning of that verse? Hmm? No, it's like that's the seventh verse. Hmm? That's the sixth verse. That's the fifth verse. <laughs> he said, Yes, he said. Hmm? Mahaprabhu said, Yugaitam Namishena Chakshusha Pravishayitam. I feel a moment is like a millennium. He's, this is the voice of Radha speaking. I feel a moment like a millennium. In union, a millennium will feel like a moment. And in separation, a moment like a millennium. He said, Yugaitam Nimishena. A blink of the eye. Nimesh it means. A blink of the eye. Yugaitam Nimishena Chakrusha Prabhushaitam. And from my eyes, a monsoon rain is, is pouring. Shunyaitam Jagat Sarvam. I see the whole world is empty. Govinda Viraha. Govinda Virahinami. 
in biraha, separation from Krishna. In this, at this point in his lila, this is the very end of his lila, now the end of Shikshastakam, he's teaching the whole of his teaching in eight, these eight verses. In the seventh verse, he's attained the Radha Prem in separation. Enter through separation. In the next verse, he enters into union. And separation within union. So the full sense of Radha Bhav is only coming to him in the end when he's begging for mercy. Balita and Vishak are there counseling him. And when he confesses his crime, I stole her bhava. Stealing is only successful if you don't get caught. So he tried to steal. He actually was not successful because he got caught in the act and made a confession. But when he made a confession before them, they were merciful to him. And when they showed him their mercy, then he was able to taste Radha Bhav. How can Krishna taste Radha's Bhava? Yes, he's independent, but his Surup Shakti is independent also. She has to agree. She didn't agree at first, but he went to so much trouble to steal and try, and, so, and in the end he confessed and cried and cried and cried like a monsoon cloud. Please, I want this. Like a beggar he came as a sannyasi. He stole Radha's Bhava. He went and hid the dark Krishna in the black Kali Yuga. Good hideout, he thought. But her love is effulgent, so what to do? People were noticing him. So he tried to give it out to people. That just brought more in it within him. He disguised himself as a beggar, sannyasi, as a sadhu. Now, you wouldn't think a sadhu to be a thief, right? Very crafty. And in the end... This he begged for this in Chikshastakam. He begged. And when he begged and made a confession, then he got the blessing. Then he could taste it. And we could know about it. This is Jagannath Puri. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna in the Bhava of Radha. And Jagannath is Krishna feeling separation from Radha. And Mahaprabhu in Radha's mood feeling separation from Krishna. As I said, many religious conceptions in Jagannath Puri. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's grace we can understand what it's really all about, who that deity is, what's on his mind. And on the day of Ratha Yatra in particular, this is on his mind. To go from the Jagannath temple to Sundarachal, Gundicha, means to go back to Vrindavan. So we'll hear about that this evening. Any questions? You mentioned that the order is different in traditional Puri. Does that have? Does that correspond like Balaram signifies the Guru as a Guru first, then the Shakti, and then Krishna? Does that have any? No. It's because Subhadra didn't want to go first. Balaram led the way. I mean, people may think about it in so many ways. Still today, it's like that in Puri. I've never been there, but that's what I've heard. But then here in the West, He's more eager here. He saw the enthusiasm of the Western devotees, so he couldn't <laughs> contain himself. Jagadishwar. One doubt. Um, in Krishna's Leela, why would he bother to mart at the end with the Mosalya? Leela, conditioned souls are, as we are, are already bewildered and doubtful and illusioned, and what would be the need to actually compound that? 
that illusion or doubt with, with, with the addition of, of that pastime or apparent pastime? Well, as I said, if you study the pastime, there's no way that you will conclude that he just died by the, uh, by the, by the arrow of a hunter. If you read about it superficially, you hear about it, and you enter it with a mundane idea, then you, you won't, and you don't hear it from Acharyas, then you, you may be allowed to reach that, that kind of a conclusion. But the whole system is you're supposed to hear from, from Guru Parampara to understand it appropriately. Um, so, Krishna, again, wants to leave room for somebody who wants to have, to have doubts to have doubts. It's all about love, so he doesn't force anybody. If you want that, then you can. Here's an excuse for that. But if you if you study the Leela, I mean, the fellow who shot the arrow, according to the Bhagavatam, I mean, so you just take it right out of the Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. If you take it right out of the Bhagavatam, the fellow who shot the arrow got it by Kuntabadi. He paid his obeisances to Krishna. He got it by Kuntabadi. A chariot came down, took him to Vaikuntha. and so you got to think, well, that's pretty extraordinary. I mean, they, 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 the arrow never hit his foot, as I said. So if you study the Leela, you think it's, it's, just, it's pretty extraordinary. It's not ordinary at all. It, it wasn't he just like got shot or something and passed out and died. Now, if you don't hear anything from Guru Parampara and you, and you don't study the Leela carefully, then there's room for having an atheistic conception. I mean, as it is, you can't reach that conclusion, but I guess it, it gives some room to some people hmm, to reach that conclusion. Jagadish War doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll tell you how Balaram left the world. Okay? Uh, a big serpent, an Antasage, came down and he jumped on and they went back. Now, you know, so do you believe that? Sure. Okay. But a lot of people won't, right? A lot of people say, why should I believe that? They have doubts from that, right? Uh-huh. Anything in it that's out of the ordinary will give them doubts. <laughs> How can, there's nothing you can do that won't create some that won't create. There are going to be doubting people. So if you just disappear, there they'll say, "Well, you know, come on, there must be some other." Reason. And then they research and find out some other way to think about it, some mundane way. Yes. About what? The key to bhajan is worship. The key to bhajan. Oh, the key to bhajan. Is worship? You mentioned something like that, or maybe I misunderstood. No, I didn't say that. I said that we should keep our bhajan, keep our bhajan private. It shouldn't be (coughs) given out everywhere. It's a private affair. Not the key, but maybe you misunderstood my... Our worship, our bhajan, our worship, that should be kept kept secret. It's to be shared with people who are in the group, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you said Nartam said, you should keep your bhajan secret. Secret. You should not even think about it in the presence of people who are not qualified. That's... That means don't associate with non-devotees. <laughs> In one, it's another way of saying it in a roundabout way. So these, these things are not to be 
Let's talk about God in general. Krishna, Krishna, Krishna is God. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has come, given Nam Dharma and so forth. This is how you preach to people. Secrets of Bhajan. They are secrets of Bhajan. Yes. You mentioned in the beginning something about how you said that if you just look at material, material energy is mystical and. Could you just elaborate a little more how? Well, what I was saying is that is that material life, material consciousness, is to see the infinite in finite terms. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Really. Infinite is everywhere. So, so uh, when we do that, then life becomes, can tend to be boring. If you really, if you, if you do away with that, if, you, if that's what spiritual life is about, then the point is that everything becomes exciting, everything becomes mystical, fascinating. Hmm? Everything becomes just fascinating, the potency of God. I mean, you could put a tree inside of a seed. I mean, you could, if, you, if you really were able to think about that, you could just, wow, <laughs> incredible. And everything about life is really like that, but we don't see like that. We, we're distracted and, 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 and we're... We're fed information by our senses, and so our mind gives us a certain picture, and and, and we live in that, and it's boring. No, hmm? no, it's static, and then we then we try to do things to to get out of the boredom and so forth, and so and and so on, and it, it doesn't really work. So the, the idea is, the spiritual life is really the answer to that. Boredom is the worst, you know, sin in a sense. I mean, it's not really a sin, but it's just a, it's a shame. Because you're not, it's like you're bored, you're at the party and you're just sitting there, you know, you're not drinking the punch. And everybody's having a great, everybody's having a great time and you're <laughs> bored. You know? And so, it's a real shame. So the, the answer is spiritual life. That takes the boredom out of life. It makes even ordinary things, it reveals how wonderful, there's nothing ordinary. There's nothing that you can get your grip on. Everything is, it's the Shakti of Bhagavan, even yourself, what am I? I mean, it's just like fascinating. So spiritual life will do that, and the way that uh, spiritual practice will do that, but that requires then this kind of reverse process of knowing. Instead of by taking the life out of things through trying to enjoy sense objects. See, everything has a life. When we look down at things as if we are the enjoyer and they are to be enjoyed by us, Mm-hmm. in terms of what our mind dictates, which is such a small idea for that poor thing, whatever it is, or person. Mm-hmm. You know, you want your son just to be your son, just to be like you want him to be. But, you know, he's got a life of his own, and it's going to show up in due course of time. It might be good, it might be, you might like it, you might not, but you're going to have to work around that at some point. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, it's nice, I've got a son. He's the, he, what he means, what he is for me... In terms of what I need and want is, you know, really part only part of the picture. What about him? You know, people that just always talk to you and never let you talk. <laughs> it's like, and if you say anything, they don't really don't care. They just want to talk. And talk. It's not very pleasant, right? In other words, if someone sees you only as, in terms of what they want and they need, even just materially speaking, this is not very, very balanced. But material life in general is like that we see through the filter of our perceived necessity arising out of our conditioning. And so we, we limit everything. So we don't get what what's there, what's to be offered, what it's about. So it doesn't satisfy us, it becomes boring. So when we look at things 
as if they're to be enjoyed by us, people, things, to be enjoyed by us, then there's no humility in this. Humility is lacking in this. Therefore, Mahaprabhu mandated humility. It means take the enjoying spirit out of, your, out of yourself. See things as worshipable by yourself. Think about what others want and need and then be a servant to that. This, this creates a mystery. This, this creates a whole a freedom in life, an excitement in life that is uh, far uh, greater and different than the other way around. The other way around causes boredom. You just do what people want. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> don't worry about anything. <laughs> no, no. Um, spiritual life, it, it, when we see an object rather than as something we enjoy, then we begin to see it in terms of how it, what, it, what it is in the bigger scheme of things. And that's how the bigger picture is revealed. And it's fascinating. So, therefore, Mahaprabhu mandated, though, for his students, they should cultivate this humility. Don't try to enjoy everything. Try to serve everything. And see what a big world that makes for. That's the idea. Because we're not the enjoyer, and so our idea of what's enjoyable in a thing is limited, so we only get a limited little something out of everything, not the full experience. And we become dissatisfied, and we turn to something else, and then we turn to something else, then we turn to something else. Kids chew the gum, and after a while it loses its sweetness, so they put it under the desk, and they do a few other things, and they think, well, try the gum again, try that again. When I was a kid, we used to do that. So things have changed, I imagine, now. <laughs> Not all the kids did that. So, anything else? Any other questions? Maharaj, I was curious about the reading this morning that you did, because in a lecture, maybe multiple lectures, I've heard you say when Google Goswami tacked the verse up on his, his hut, it was like a big billboard, like an advertisement showing off what, what Mahaprabhu was, his inner feeling was. Yet when you read the verse, it it, it almost appeared like it, it was uh, unusual for him to have seen it, for Mahaprabhu to have seen it. No, it doesn't mean like that. It doesn't mean he like hit it on the roof or something like that. It means he tacked it on the roof. He mean like the roof comes down and he, he placed it there. He hung it there. Yeah. And Mahaprabhu saw it. And Mahaprabhu was embarrassed to see that. Oh, you... You know my heart, and you're showing that, and it's, it's such a secret and high thing. How is it possible? And then he rethought, well, I did bless you at Prayag to know all truths, tattva and, and, and rasa, and so, hmm, yeah, that makes sense. And then you're associated with Trup Damodar, and he knows, he knows my heart. So we say that because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that section, by the way, is a summary of that leela. The, the, the details of that are found later on in the book. You can look there. But um, we say that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made known to us these secrets of, for example, Jagannath Puri, the secret of love and separation, the value of that, and so forth. But really, he just came and did it, experienced it. And he did speak about it in Shikshastakam, but who can pull all that out? But devotees like Rupa Goswami, they really have made it known. So, our Guru Parampara, we are really indebted to them. They have given these secrets to the world. <laughs> Mahaprabhu himself is a secret. And they have uncovered the secret of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's advent. He could have come and gone. Who would have known? 
they recorded it all. This is their blessing. And so much more. To, they leave some things also to be done. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, I, Once I left this world, my work undone. Vishnu John Marshall asked Prabhupada, What did he mean, Bhaktivinoda, that they left this world with his work undone? And Prabhupada said, Oh, that is his mercy. He left something for us, some service for us to do. He could have done everything, but he left something for us to do. Keep us busy. Prabhupada did big service. He used to think like that. He said, oh, yeah, I'm, I have some, some little service has been left for me. He called it my nonsense. This is my nonsense. I think I'm preaching about Krishna. How can I do justice to that is the idea, the real feeling. How can I do justice? What little I'm doing, little something. Not I've given a great talk and just see, I know so much. I'm, I'm uh, so learned and... I have so much love for Krishna. People are thinking like that. Oh, it's just see. And I'm thinking too. Huh? No, <laughs> not like that. Hmm? He was actually doing like that. And thinking, this is just my nonsense. What, what I've done, nothing. Hmm? How can I do justice to what is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent? So a few people have come and are chanting. As his blessing only. Used me in this way. Otherwise I'm unfit. The fact is, he preached so wild, he did such good service to Krishna. Krishna couldn't tolerate any longer his his uh, absence. So he re- retired him in Vrindavan. And he just says he was feeling separation from Krishna, Krishna was feeling separation from him and couldn't tolerate it anymore. He spoke so nicely about Krishna everywhere and so many wonderful things he told about Krishna's heart. Krishna finally said, enough, enough. I had to silence him, take him back to Godhead. All right, anything else? I have a question about Supadra. Um, I don't recall much told about her. Do you have any, any, anything to say? There is not much told about her. That's why you have not heard much. But there is one description of her marriage to Arjuna, one Leela. Otherwise, she is the Lord's potency. The birth Leela is there. Her appearance before Kamsa, she tried to stay a little out of the out of the limelight. But see her power, just as a as it as appearing as a baby girl, she trounced Kamsa. No one could stand up to Kamsa. Of course, Krishna ultimately would, but no one had been able to stand up to Krishna at this point. Actually, hmm? up to Kamsa at this point, no one. He had defeated, as I said, so many demons who would eventually be sent to Vrindavan on a mission to kill Krishna and so forth. Uh, and when she appeared in the prison, then he grabbed her to throw her on the floor and she just kicked him, danced on his head. Said, who do you think you are? Just see. You're dead, she said. <laughs> You're already dead. You're a useless person. So, she has great power. He said there she would be known by different names and worshipped by different persons, Kali, Durga, Ambika, so all manifestations of Subhadra. But in Krishna Leela, then she plays the role as a sister, but mostly in Mathura and Dwarka Leela. Anything else? Yes. Uh, Guru Maharaj, when um, it's said that Krishna is more present when he's not present or in separation, then to me that it it seems to say that when when Krishna is not physically present, that the the feeling or the the yearning to see him or to be in his presence, that 
I mean, he's seen in other things. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but... <laughs> but to me, it just seems that things remind the gopis of, of, um, of Krishna, plants and the sky and the water. And mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, the spiritual world is Krishna. It's, it's all Krishna. And so, how much are we to... You know, I mean, in one way, it almost goes to impersonalism, where someone might say that that, um, that he's more present when he's not present, or so that sort of it almost borders on impersonalism. Well, when they would see him in in a way, when the trees would remind him of them of of him, the earth would remind them of him, and so forth. They were reminded of him, but longing to be in his personal company. So although they saw the whole world spoke to them about Krishna in separation, the whole world became like a, a manifestation of Krishna. And everyone was, every inanimate animate thing was reminding them of Krishna. This is their heart. is causing them to see the world like this. See the trees bending down. They think, oh, these trees are paying obeisances. Krishna must have been there. They paid their paying obeisances and giving their fruits to him. And, so they, their own heart is causing them to think that others are are like they are, and is causing them to see the whole world like this. And in separation, they're associated with Krishna in an intense way, although he's not present. But they're yearning to be in his personal presence. So there's no question of of separation being tantamount to uh, you know in a personal conception of God, and um, although some people try to interpret the Bhagavatam like that, they say that when the gopis are feeling, seeing Krishna in everything, then they're experiencing um, Brahman realization. Everything is sarvam kalo vidam brahma. Everything is Brahman and so forth. But the fact of the matter is that they're also longing to be in the personal presence of Krishna, and that, and that kind of their realization fosters that, so he does come into their presence. So separation and union are very uh, high topics, and and separation begets union, union begets separation. It's kind of like two banks on a river of love; they complement one another. It's you shouldn't think that well, you're with Krishna, so you get bored, to, like with other things, so you get some get some distance from him. And you can come back and appreciate it more. <laughs> no, it's it's not it's not like that. But it's similar to that in 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 the sense that it's a material manifestation, and this is a perverted reflection of the spiritual sky. So now, when they're with Krishna, they 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 don't want to be separate. But at the same time, separation from Krishna is it causes an intense sense of his presence, and and the union that follows that is is even more extraordinary. And, that's the whole reason for the Krishna's leaving Vrindavan, in one sense. Krishna left Vrindavan for so many years so that the devotee, gopis could, and he could experience what's called samhridiman sambhog. There are different kinds of sambhog or union. This is the complete sense of union. It comes as a result of separation for a long time. So there are mundane parallels to this, but the mundane experience is very different. What we should do to be practical is that we should serve in such a way and hear 
from such in such a way from sadhus and particularly our guru that we feel separation from being in that company, which will drive us to have that company again, and we'll be nourished. That's how the sadhakas can uh, have some semblance of experience of separation in relation to the guru, which is the manifestation of Krishna. So we've talked for quite a while. We stop now. We have Artik and then Prashad. Shri Jagannaswami ki jai, Gauranga Mahaprabhu ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Brinda ki jai, Gaur Pramanande.